0: On this episode, we interview the Senior Vice President of Clinical Services at Aspen Rx Health. Hope you enjoy. hello everyone welcome to another episode of rx radio i'm your host richard waith and i'm really excited about today's episode because we get to hear about someone that i've known for quite uh, for quite some time and talk about how we met and how i got introduced to vuka but we are going to interview the senior vice president of clinical services of aspen rx health dr kim russo kim welcome to the show
1: Oh, thank you so much, Richard. It's great to speak to you today. Um, I'm flattered uh, that you gave me the opportunity to do this interview.
0: So the reason I'm like what i what I'm gonna love about where this conversation is gonna go is because people have heard about our first um, our first meeting, like together and then how we got to know each other, but they don't know who exactly and how and why. So let me explain. If anyone has listened to this podcast, they've heard my essentially my beginnings at VUCA and how it started with a random email that was sent to um, the University of Florida by a startup um, looking for interns to work for this for the startup. And you were the one that sent the email, I believe, to the school looking for interns. And I was one of the people that said, yes, like I would love to do this. Do you remember that?
1: I do remember that. Let's go way back to twenty twelve or twenty
0: thirteen. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's it's such an it's such an awesome thing to like obviously we're we're coming a lot full circle here, but um, I'm gonna, I wanna talk about that and and your you know, that time in your life and the transition from going from being a hospital pharmacist over to a startup. Um, but before we get into those details, let's first first if you can just give us a little bit of background um, about kind of who you are and what led you to Aspen RX Health.
1: Sure. So it's so funny because when I think back on where my career has led me, you know, the more the years go on, the more experiences I gain. And so at this point, I have a lot of experiences within the profession. And so I have done a diverse amount of work. I've worked at a drug distribution warehouse in Central Florida, working on all the return meds from the retail pharmacies and independent pharmacies. I then had the opportunity during pharmacy school to be an intern on the launch team for a blockbuster new drug at the time called Lipitor. And that was just a fascinating experience. I got to go live in New Jersey for the summer and I got to really understand what goes behind a medication being brought to market, including the FDA approval. And I'm probably a nerd, but I just feel so lucky that I got to see all the -the behind-the-scenes activity of this huge drug uh, as it was being launched. And so, for example, I got to see how the package inserts are created and edited and different drafts are Um, moved along the process. I got to go sit side by side with the scientists in the lab across the street from the main business office and learn about how they chose what the tablet shape was going to be, the color of it, the imprint that was going to be on it. Um, I remember them talking about which manufacturing line they were going to Uh, manufacture the tablets on because they had to make use of the ones they already had in existence and which drugs they were going to either retire or switch to different lines. Um, I got to go tour the Listerine factory where they made Listerine. That was really cool. And got to see the little glass bottles and the 1930s machine that moved them all along the assembly line. Um, I even got to see things like the, how the marketing team, got to do research for the prescriber and consumer outreach that they were planning and even how they tracked adverse events that pharmacists from across the country or prescribers would report to their adverse event line. And so it was a really neat time. So I had that experience. Um, After school, I graduated and spent about a year in retail pharmacy, learned a lot about patient interaction and retail pharmacy, Um, how we always have to be watching for medication therapy problems in that role, and how to call prescribers' offices and work through problems that we needed to address verbally. And then I really, uh, I moved on to hospital, as you mentioned, at that time, and I had the great fortune of working at a large community hospital with an amazing pharmacy team and I spent 13 years in hospital pharmacy, and there I was able to really expand the clinical program that was pretty new at the time, um, and I was able to grow it to maturity, uh, ran the p and committee. And, you know, when you do things like that you, and you're analyzing medications that are going to be on formulary, you, you know, what I learned is you don't want the cheapest medication, right? You want to be able to select the most cost-effective medication, And that means that you first have to look at the efficacy and the safety of the med, and then you look at cost, and then that helps you determine what makes the most sense to have for your hospital population. Um, And I really enjoyed the hospital because I got to, and I, anybody who's been around me for any length of time, Richard, I've probably told you this a hundred times, but I really enjoyed working with all the different disciplines at the hospital, the physicians and nurses and dieticians and lab and risk managers, and just got a, you know, a, a variety of cross training in that role and really focused on counseling patients um, and medication safety. And then I made the big transition to the startup of VUCA. And so that was in late 2012. And so now I've forgotten what your question was, but that was my thought, my (laughs) process, my trip down memory lane.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, originally we're just trying to see kind of the background and and what led you up to Aspen, but that's a good place to, to pause because I'm one thing I wanted to mention is I remember and one thing that really stuck with me when I first when I first met you back in you know 2012 was I remember hearing about you working at a, at a hospital and you being a part. And now you're at the startup, which is which is, um you know, where you were seeking interns for. And I just remember like it's just such a it's such a, a memory that has stuck with me that. Wow. She was like, you know, obviously you're, you're probably great at what you do, but you know, my mind is like, she was, she was a pharmacist doing a traditional pharmacy role. And then as now all of a sudden at a startup, you know, that's, that's just so different. And it it just, it was like a paradigm shift for me almost to think that, you know, someone just doing something, you know, what appeared to be a traditional normal thing now is, has completely just kind of, you know, switched gears, especially um, at a time in your career that, that it was. And is now with a startup and it just it to me, it just seemed very courageous. And I was like, this is really impressive. And like, it's crazy how how tough of a decision this may have been. So I would like love to hear maybe like what that was like, you know, where was your mind at? Like, wh- was there something specific that maybe allowed you to make that leap? Like, give us give us some insight as to what was going on um, in your mind around that time.
1: That is really neat that you remember that. Thank you for that. Um, Yeah, it was, you know, I honestly don't think about the switch from a traditional role to a startup because I simply have not had any free time to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Just hit the ground running on day one and have not looked back. But I will say that I was reading an article the other day about Europe's um, toughest trek for hiking and it's Corsica's GR20. And it, the article starts out with a uh, a sentence that says something about, you know, it takes a particular mix of ignorance and bravado to just shrug your shoulders and then ask yourself nonchalantly, how bad can it really be? How hard can it really be? (laughs) And I thought, is that what I did when I switched from my comfortable role my traditional role that you're right I felt like I was really excelling at at the time and now I'm going to go do this brand new thing and I don't know it it was um it was just a combination of a lot of really fortunate things for me, including just my comfort level and confidence in the team that I was about to join. You know, I, um, David Medvedev, our CEO now at, at Aspen, was leading our team, and he and I had known each other since pharmacy school. We were very comfortable with the quality that each of us were running our own um, Careers with and comfortable and trust with each other that we would both be hard workers and really dedicated to this new com- concept of VUCA um, so I had I had that comfort level. I think I was ready for a change with the hospital. it was there had been some corporate changes recently, and it was probably a good time for me to make a decision to go ahead and move and then of course, I have the benefit of having a dual income family and so my husband who's also a pharmacist, um, you know, uh, he was comfortable with the move uh, and the fact that if it didn't work, I hopefully could still be employable as a pharmacist again. Um, and I didn't, he had a very high comfort level for the concept of VUCA because he is in the profession and understood it exactly what we set out to do and, and knew that it made great sense and would be a a great role. So thanks for asking me about that. It was, uh, it was a combination of a lot of really, uh, fortunate things and maybe a little bit of eh, how hard can it be? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, cause you know, I feel like everyone goes through some, some form of a, a decision making like that, that, that does end up deciding to switch their careers. And, you know, even there's some people that switch it to something that's not even entirely in healthcare, you know? So, um, I, I like to I like that we got some of your insight as to kind of how the stars aligned for that to to work out well for you. So um, thanks for sharing that. Um, All right. Let's uh, let's switch gears and and talk a little bit about um, Aspen Rx Health. So uh, if you had to just give a quick intro into Aspen itself, for those that might not have heard about it, um, how would you describe what um, what it is that Aspen Rx Health does and and what you do um, with the organization?
1: Sure. So Aspen is, we like to say it is uber meets match.com for pharmacy clinical services. And so our pharmacists across the country are contracted, just like Uber drivers, to log into our app and select which patient consults they want to deliver. And they do that. And then the app matches their characteristics with their uh, clinical skills and expertise and their geographic area and their uh, language uh, and puts them all together so that the ones that the pharmacists are choosing are, you know, they show a match score and they can easily connect with, with those consults. And so that's Aspen in a nutshell. Any more questions before I explain my role at Aspen?
0: No, I think, uh, you know, there's other episodes I think that we've done on, on this podcast that, that goes in depth. If if anyone wants to um, research those a little bit more in depth um, and hear a little bit more about kind of like the process and how it works. But um, and I'm sure we'll dive into some of that as well. Um, but yeah, let's let's go into kind of um, your role.
1: Yeah, so I oversee the clinical services department. And what that means mostly is that I oversee the quality team, and we make sure that the consultations that the pharmacists across the country are submitting are done to our high-quality standards, and so that is one of my biggest roles, and then I also oversee the development and maintenance of our clinical alerts that the pharmacists will be addressing while they're on the phone with the patient, and then I also Um, oversee our content maintenance and production. So everything that prescribers see when we send recommendations to them, uh, what the pharmacists see in the app, and even uh, what the patients see when we send them the written summaries after we complete a comprehensive medication review, those are my domains.
0: So that's um, really interesting in terms of the the clinical recommendations. I'm I'm curious to maybe dive a little bit into that. Is it when someone is making a recommendation or, or what's recommended, is it all kind of like pre-populated, or and the pharmacist just kind of has to like use their judgment as to which one to populate in there, or is there a lot of like free form that pharmacists have to complete? I'm not I'm not sure if this is going too deep into the details here, but I'm I'm curious to know.
1: Yeah, well, just at a really simple level, everything that we. And it, with few exception, is pre-populated depending on the choices that the pharmacist
0: makes in the app. Gotcha. So, being that Aspen is relatively new to MTM, um, and and what you all have been able to do in terms of establishing a model there, I, I remember doing MTM um, when I was working in community, and it was it was it wasn't easy to make like quality MTM consultations. Um, I, th- I found I found that like quite challenging, but it seems that Aspen has created um, the infrastructure to be able to, for pharmacists, you know, to scale, um, to, to do those quality interactions at scale. So what have been some of the keys of, uh, in terms of success with how Aspen was able to create that infrastructure um, for these quality MTM programs?
1: I could talk about this all day, so I, I'll try to keep it short. Um, I, I think at a Conceptual level instead of the granular level, level of how we do it, conceptually, I really focused on two things that when we set out to create what our quality definition was going to be. And the first thing was I always want to prioritize what's best for the patient. So no matter where I've been in my career as a pharmacist, I find that if I'm prioritizing what's best for the patient as the highest thing, it's really hard to go wrong. And so that is one of my big values. And the second thing that I had as a guiding light is really the definition of what CMS defines as a comprehensive medication review, a CMR. And there's a couple main words, if you look up that definition, that do jump out. And it's got to be an interactive medication review. So we're very big on making sure that the patient is interacting with the pharmacist and telling us how they're taking their medications and why they're taking them. Obviously, if the patient's not sure, it's up to the pharmacist to help the um, help work as a team with the patient to come up with the, the correct answer. Um, But we don't want the pharmacist reading the medication list to the patient and calling it a day. So it's interactive. Uh, It seeks to improve the patient's knowledge on their medications and their non-prescription therapies. Uh, It identifies and addresses problems and concerns. And then lastly, in the definition, it talks about empowering patients to really self-manage their medications and their health conditions. And so everything that we've done is based on those two values. And I think the third thing that I did as the leader is the old adage of always surround yourself by people who are smarter than you. Mm-hmm. And I really have been able to create a quality team of some really sharp clinical pharmacists to share those same two values that I do. Um, and they have experience in MTM. And uh, it's just been a really good formula for us to to launch a quality program. So thanks for asking
0: about it. Have you no problem? Have you gotten feedback, or what do you think is kind of the most successful things that pharmacists do in their um, in their conversations to like make these make these uh, these MTM services valuable? Um, you know, like how, how do pharmacists kind of like create that conversation that? Maximizes kind of the impact that that pharmacist can have with um, with the patient.
1: I think that the way the pharmacist can be the most successful is when they really do active listening. So it's not just going through the same questions and uh, thinking about what they're what the patient's going to say ahead of time, but really active listening when you ask a question or picking up on what the patient's trying to tell you and taking a moment to pause, think about it, and then repeat it back to the patient and see if you're understanding what they're saying. So active listening, not just for us pharmacists in discussing with, you know, having consultations with patients, but really anywhere in our lives, we should be active listening. Um, And then I think the other really successful approach that the most successful pharmacists do is motivational interviewing and the combination of motivational interviewing and patient-centered care. And CMS really wants MTM to be patient-centered care and motivational interviewing is a great way to get to that. And for those of you who may not know what that is, it really allows us to focus on the patient during the conversation, and, and it makes sure that you understand what the patient brings to the table. What are the patient's values of their health? What, what's important to them? Why do they want to manage their health conditions, or don't they want to manage their health conditions, or at what level do they want to manage them? Uh, what goals do they want to set? So it's very interactive patient-centered. It's helping the patient, it's helping find out where the patient is currently with their medication use process and their health conditions, and then helping to guide them, coach them, encourage, and empower them to either stay on the right track if they're on it, or to make some changes that they feel they want to make and that are appropriate for them to make. And so those two things, active listening and motivational interviewing, really lead to some successful MTMs.
0: All right. So uh, let's say I'm, I'm working at a health plan and, you know, I want to gain access to this network of pharmacists um, that Aspen Rx, Aspen Rx Health has created um, to provide services um, for the lives that, that my plan covers. What is it that health plans should be thinking about when looking for a, an MTM vendor?
1: That's a great question. Um, Well, first of all, as you mentioned, we are a company of contracted pharmacists, and I'm a firm believer that pharmacists are really the best-suited healthcare professional for this role and providing these pharmacy clinical services over the phone. We just have that unique expertise with appropriate use of medications and play a significant role helping to optimize outcomes. Uh, You know, we help determine effectiveness and safety. We can have some great conversations about adherence, especially when we use motivational interviewing. And that's something that we partner with uh, Dr. Bruce Berger. Who is a motivational interviewing expert, and we help to support our pharmacist community with his advice on how to incorporate motivational interviewing into their interviews so they can learn. Um, the more consults they do they do, the more experience they get with that. Um, and pharmacists also we can easily communicate with a prescriber when we need to. So there are times that you know we have a clinical situation that might be more important than just sending the facts to the prescriber and the pharmacists are very well suited to pick up the phone after the consult with the patient and just place a quick call to the prescriber office to take care of an issue uh, to make sure it gets addressed promptly. Uh, so that's another great reason to choose pharmacists for, to deliver the services. But then in addition to that, what sets pharmacists apart? You know, there's other vendors that use pharmacists as well. And you really want to make sure for that time, that 25, 30 minutes that you have, or even more, that you have a pharmacist on the phone speaking to your member. Uh, you want them bringing value to, you, to your member, And I think that our program, you know, we really, we've talked a lot about the quality that we require. We've said our values are in the patient experience, that it's an interactive discussion with the patient, uh, that it's true to the CMS definition of what MTM is, uh, and that we are, you know, the the platform can accurately uh, identify potential clinical problems. The pharmacists get uh, feedback on, you know, and coaching on how they do on their consults with the audio. And so uh, we, our pharmacist community is really well supported to deliver a very high value consultation with a health plans member to, um, I probably should talk a little bit about our quality process and the team that I have and that feedback that the pharmacists get, because that's how they really learn what our ideal consultation is and how they continue to adapt and refine their, uh, their approach as they make more consultations.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And and I think that kind of goes into like one of the other questions I had was like, how you know, obviously, there, I'm sure there's a way that there's that you're measuring the and setting standards for some of these like high quality interactions. So, like how how are these standards set and like how are how is the quality of these interactions kind of measured or reviewed? Um, and, and like, and I guess we can go into a little bit how that feedback loop works. I'd, I'd be curious to dive into those details there. Right. Well,
1: thank you. That's a great question. And what we've done. Um, I can't speak for other vendors, but what Aspen does is we have a very customized feedback process that we provide to our pharmacist community. And so we have a quality team of licensed pharmacists that I mentioned earlier, and their job every day when they log in is to listen to audio of consultations that the pharmacists have submitted and to provide really customized feedback using our custom scorecard. And that scorecard has four domains that we've identified as very important. It's operations, and what that entails is making sure that the pharmacist reads the script that the health plans have approved, um, that they read those correctly, that if they're speaking to a caregiver, that they go through the correct process to make sure PHI is um, protected before speaking to the caregiver, Um, make sure that they mention that they're on a recorded call, and all of those operational details. Our second section on our scorecard is documentation, and we make sure that the documentation that the pharmacists are submitting uh, is particularly um, related to the medication. So how they're documenting the medication and the SIG and the way the patient's taking it. Uh, the indication, if they're documenting it um, consistent with what the patient said in the audio um, and who the prescriber is. And so this documentation is a big part of our scorecard. And then the last two parts are the clinical section where we listen to how the pharmacist worked through the clinical alerts that the app notified them about and also how they identified any manual or manually identified any possible medication therapy issues that the app didn't necessarily identify. Uh, And then the last section on our scorecard is communication. And we just want to make sure that they're really giving the patient that high value, um, high touch, great customer service experience and that they're audio levels of their headset are nice and clear and at a good volume and that there's no distracting background noise. So, I mean, you can imagine it's a pretty intricate scorecard. It's, um, it covers a lot of ground and we are able to provide a lot of customized comments to each pharmacist. And we always try to make sure that we are, um, being coaches, right? We're not there to criticize the pharmacists on how they delivered the service. We're there to coach them, let them know let them know which sections we think they can improve on and why, and then encourage them to go ahead and try again and to continue to to improve. And so that's our really our quality feedback process in a nutshell. Is that what you were looking yeah, for in yeah. my answer?
0: That's really interesting. Uh, are the scorecards? provided after each interaction to um, to the pharmacist or, or is it only something that's visible to the quality team? Um, and then what about like health plans? Do they get access to those scorecards as well?
1: Yeah, so the pharmacists um, do get the scorecards directly from us. We send them via email. And we try to provide pretty rapid cycle feedback to the pharmacist so they know which consult it was. And they can certainly connect the consult number for the scorecard with the consult number that's in the app history. And um, so they get that feedback. Um, and the health plans, we don't share the individual pharmacist scorecards necessarily with the health plans. They actually have their own process for doing an external quality review based on their quality requirements. And obviously our scorecard incorporates what their quality requirements are as well, um, And so we we usually meet with health plans once a month or once a quarter just to go over findings that they have determined. So we're looking at our pharmacists not just internally at a very uh, detailed level, but then also we get an external quality assessment from our our customers, our health plans.
0: That's awesome. It's really interesting to hear like how in depth, you know, these things are reviewed. Um, I remember when I was doing MTM, it would just be, you know, did you make the call or not? And then that was it. (laughs) There's so much more quality that you all manage now. It's great. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. We just really feel strongly about, um, you know, making sure that the services we're providing, it's important for everybody, right? It's important for the patient. It's important for Aspen. It's important for the profession of pharmacy because we want to prove our value. Uh, It's important for Medicare. So everybody wins when we uh, work on the high quality with each consult. We don't audit each consult. We have our proprietary selection formula for which consults do get audited. Um, But we audit a fair amount.
0: Gotcha. All right. Let's go broader picture here. I want to hear your thoughts on kind of the future of the profession of pharmacy and kind of where you see services going, where you see pharmacists having a role in, um, give me your thoughts on kind of the future, uh, for the, uh, the future of the pharmacy profession.
1: Yeah. So thanks for asking. Uh, I think the, the future of the profession, particularly related to the clinical services and the great success that we're seeing at Aspen within the MTM realm, you know, we have lots of additional consultation types that we can add lots of additional service lines, um, we are super excited to be uh, working diligently on a transis- transitions of care uh, consultation framework. And there'll be some exciting announcements coming from Aspen about opportunities for pharmacists to do similar consultations by calling patients on the phone in the app and helping make sure that their transitions of care, uh, especially after discharge from a facility, are going safely as it relates to medications. And so, um, MedRec is one of those uh, service lines that we'll be adding soon. Um, and then, another area that we're already having great success with is the adherence calls. Um, and we are really driving improved adherence with our combination of the motivational interviewing approach that we're using. And the um, the ease of the pharmacist reaching out to the patient with the app, um, and so those are just two of the near future. Well, one of them is already happening, but then that's an example of a near future service line that we'll be getting into very soon. And uh, we have a lot more on the horizon as well.
0: It's it's so interesting because you know there's you know we talk about the future of pharmacy, but I feel like being able to perform clinical services you know, on demand from your home, uh, you know, to be paid directly as a pharmacist is, is to me like the future of the profession, which is here technically, obviously with, with Aspen. So it's, it's just amazing that, you know, the time that we're living in that and what you, um, you know, what, what you and Aspen was able to create um and develop with what these clinical services that pharmacists can kind of provide just, you know, without being need to being tied to a dispensing pharmacy. I mean, it's, it's crazy, and 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 like you mentioned, like it's just the opportunities and the different service lines that come about. Just you know, it, it becomes vast and, and kind of uh, where the sky is the limit. So very interesting. All right, My, now I want to ask a bonus question that has may have something to do with healthcare, may have nothing completely to do with healthcare. If you, <laughs> I love bonus questions, Richard. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to take one person out to dinner, uh, who would that person be and why? But there's rules here, so. That person has to be alive and they have to be famous. So, and then they cannot be any of the few, uh, past presidents or current president. So you have you have one person you can take out to dinner to have a conversation with. Who would that person be and why?
1: Oh goodness, I don't know if I love bonus questions. <laughs> Let me think about this. <laughs> um. All I do is work, Richard. I don't <laughs> even have time for dinner. <laughs> Let me think. Um, I will go with a healthcare answer. I think that it's been really fascinating over the last year to watch Scott Ghalib, uh, who was a commissioner of the FDA uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and see how he has really been a leading voice for healthcare professionals in the time of COVID. I re- originally had some criticisms, criticisms of him when he was at the FDA because they were approving a record number of drugs. And as a medication safety uh, person, I was concerned that everything was being rushed through too much. And I think that that probably is not true at all. Um, But I really have grown to admire him and his accuracy for what he says, his level headedness, his amazing communication skills. Um, You know, he's just somebody that I see on TV and on Twitter. And I think that he has just performed. He's been a very a good um, source of truthful information for me over the last year. And I've really appreciated it. So I, would, I think he would be very interesting to uh, take to dinner and pick his brain about his experience at the FDA and get his opinion on uh, approving more drugs than ever before, and then get his uh, input on not just COVID, but you know other pandemics that we may encounter in future years, and where we, as a country and as a world, need to really focus our efforts to be prepared uh, for the next one. So, thanks for asking.
0: Yeah, I actually saw him speak at I want to say it was it was Assembia. It was a a, um, a pharmacy conference not too long ago, or at least like in the last couple of years. Um, and I was pretty impressed as well, so that's a that's a really good it's uh, a really good pick. And I also remember the year where it felt it felt kind of sketchy that all these drugs were coming out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm yes. sure it just had to do with like technology and just advancements and research development. So, but. Um, awesome. Well, I thought this was a fascinating episode. Thank you so much for your time. Um, if you can maybe just let the listeners know maybe how they can connect with you.
1: I'm not that active on social media professionally, so it's probably best to just email me directly at pharmacists at AspenRxHealth.com. If you have any questions, be happy to answer them for you.
0: How can uh, people connect back with um, Aspen?
1: Yeah, so you can follow Aspen on LinkedIn. You just have to search Aspen RX Health.
0: All right. Uh, well, Kim, thank you again so much for your time and, and insights. And uh, it was great to hear about uh, about the story of you getting to Aspen and, and learning about what you do and what Aspen RX Health does. Uh, really appreciate your time.
1: It was a joy. Thank you so much, Richard. It's great to talk to you again.
0: Hope you all enjoyed that episode. I really enjoyed hearing how Aspen Rx Health kind of measures the quality of those interactions because I know, you know, for me doing MTM is that quality of that interaction is so important and just seeing how they scale that I think is, is pretty cool. And I will be sure to include the uh, link to Aspen Rx Health in the show notes. Um, again, make sure to check them out on LinkedIn. Uh, connect with RX Radio on any of your favorite social media platforms. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.